Welcome to King Solomon and the Stoics, a project of denverkolel.org. I'm Shmueli Halpern and thank you for joining. In this episode, we're going to discuss the concept of timing. Timing is indeed everything. The subject of timing goes to the very roots of the science of success. Why are some people successful and others unsuccessful? Why is it that some people seem to chase opportunity without any success, and others have opportunity to chase them. King Solomon in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes opens up the subject for us, and by analyzing the commentaries, hopefully we can gain an understanding of this vital subject, the subject of timing. When to push a project through, when to pull back. King Solomon begins the chapter by saying everything has its season, and there is a time for everything under the heaven. And then he goes to list 28 different times. And we'll read them quickly. Just take a minute. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to wreck and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to wail and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to shun embraces. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to discard. A time to rend and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So, asks Solomon in the following verse, verse 9, What gain then has the worker by his toil? If everything has a time, if success has its time, Why do you toil? I have observed, says Solomon, the task which God has given the sons of man to be concerned with. He made everything beautiful in its time. The Mitsudos, one of the major commentaries, explains that God placed a challenge before man. The challenge is to understand that everything has a time. And so often we don't appreciate that and we push things through for no good reason. It's not the right time. Don't say it. Don't say that comment. Don't say that criticism. It's not the right time. Don't push that project through. You've given it enough effort and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere at this time. Just stop. Accept. Accept reality. That's what Solomon is teaching us. But I have observed that the sons of man, the man are concerned with this and they go ahead and they involve themselves in things when it is the wrong time. And that is the doing of man. God made everything beautiful in its time. But man doesn't always appreciate that. Man often tries to push through things at the wrong time. If we take a look at the Hebrew of verse 11, It speaks of how God put the world in the hearts of man so that they shouldn't find the true essence of that which God is doing. Ebenezer explains that the word olam, the Hebrew word for world, also means eternity. The matter of eternity, of immortality, God placed in man's mind. Man lives with the sense that he lives forever. He doesn't understand that he operates and exists within a very limited and specific time frame. And there's a specific job for him, for his generation. But man doesn't appreciate that. Man lives as if he lives for eternity. And he doesn't appreciate what really matters and what doesn't matter as much. Because again, life is short. 
but we don't appreciate the world, the eternity God has given in man's heart to challenge us to truly appreciate things for what they are and not get lost in trivial matters that fade away with time. And that's a beautiful comment of Eben Ezra in verse 11. But going back to the general subject here, what are we supposed to do with this idea? So everything has a time. And yes, sometimes it's obvious that it's not the time. And we should just accept, if we would just be more accepting, we wouldn't be as egotistical, we wouldn't be as impatient, we'd be smarter, and we'd be able to work smarter, not harder. That's an ob- That seems like an obvious lesson, but so many situations are less clear. Is it the right time? Is it the wrong time? How are we to know? What are we to do with this information? Solomon's question, what work? What gain then has the worker by his toil? That question troubles us. Success seems to chase some people and seems to flee others. So why the toil? Why the toil? What other secret is there to successful endeavors? And successful endeavors are not only in the sense of economics and making a living, but also in doing good works and accomplishing for the greater good, and so on and so forth. Why is it that some people seem to chase opportunity and others have opportunity chase them? What's the secret? What are we supposed to do with this teaching that everything has a time? To make matters worse, in a certain sense, the Torah commands us to be tamim, to be wholesome, pure, and simple with Hashem your God. And although there may be supernatural methods of determining when is an auspicious time to start a certain endeavor... And so on and so forth, we are not meant to engage in those endeavors. We're not meant to engage in those tools to see the future and so on and so forth. We're supposed to focus on that which is our responsibility and leave the rest in the hands of God. Focus on the step right before me. Don't worry about the future. That's in God's hand. That's not in your hands. So what are we supposed to do with this subject, that there's a time for everything. We can only focus on that which is right before us. We can't think about the future. We can't think about when is an auspicious time. What does it mean to us? What are we supposed to do with this information? Ramosha David Vali has an incredible analysis, an incredible interpretation of the first verse in chapter 3 that gives us incredible insight. And it goes like this, Lakolzman, for everything a time, for everything a time. What does the word zman mean? Zman relates to the Hebrew word hazmana. Although zman typically translates as time, it relates to the concept of preparation. And the entire concept of time, says Rabbi Vali, relates to preparation. What does it mean by preparation? God gives. God gives from on high. It is up to us to be a vessel to receive that which God gives whether it is good or whether it is the opposite, whether it is negative. If we do good, if we prepare ourselves properly, if we open ourselves up to be a vessel for blessing for ourselves and for the world, then God bestows blessing. That's what's waiting on high. We need to open ourselves up. If a person chooses negatively again and again, unfortunately, they can be a vehicle, a vessel for negativity in the world. So we are subject to time. We live within time. And there's a time for everything. The time for everything is a different in effort, different preparation is requested, is required of us. The results, 
The success, the failure is not our business. Our business is the focused effort. And that focused effort, there's a different time for different efforts. Sometimes it's a time for toil. Sometimes it's a time for rest. On the Shabbos, on the seventh day of the week, it's a time for rest. For six days, it's a time for work. At times, we need to accept reality. Other times, we need to push the envelope of possibility. There's a time for everything. But again, how can we know? So we understand one point. That's helpful. The success, the outcome is not up to us. The effort is what is our business. Okay, that we can understand. But still, when should we invest effort? When should we pull back? When is it appropriate to push and push and push? Push the envelope. When is it appropriate to accept reality and hold back? There's an interesting comment, again from Rabbi Vali, in the verse that speaks of hate and love. And Rabbi Vali points out that love that's desirable is love that is pure. Love that is a true expression of the deeper self, of whoever it is that's expressing the love. That love you should seek. However, at times a person is only expressing a superficial love. It's not true. Why is it not true? Maybe their ego or selfishness is in the way. Maybe anxiety, distractions are in the way. But whatever it is, they're not expressing their true essence. That is love that is not desirable. That's something to shun. That's an embrace to shun. That's a time to hate, not a time to love. So we see that even emotions have a time and a place. And it's purity that's desirable. Even a pure person who's capable of pure love may not be capable at the moment. And so it may not be an appropriate moment for love. This may be a more appropriate moment for distance than closeness. So we see that with purity of heart, we can have a sense of when it is a time to embrace and when it is a time to shun and embrace. And we can take this idea of purity of heart a little bit further to other endeavors as well. When you face a challenge when things are not going well, we can ask ourselves a question. Is it because I'm lazy? Are there things I should be doing that I could do that would make things flow smoother than do them by all means? But if you've done everything reasonable and it's not going anywhere, then maybe it's a time to accept reality. And when we have purity of heart, we can begin to sense the difference. When we're stuck in our own selfish egos, we don't really see the difference. I'm struggling to make this happen, and I'm struggling to make this happen. I can't see any two sides to it. But with purity of heart, we can begin to sense when we're the ones getting in the way and what we might do to get out of the way, and when truly the project that we're working on is not seem to be working. It doesn't seem to be developing. It doesn't seem to be the appropriate time to push it through. And again, it's a matter of timing. There may be a time at a different point when it will go through, it will succeed to incredible degrees. At the moment, it's time to stop. It's time to accept reality. So the job of knowing when is the right time for what, when is an auspicious time for a specific thing, is not about being able to pick up on the signs in some esoteric, supernatural way. You know, some sort of sign, it rained, it's not a good idea to go do this. Or 
other superstitions. That's not the point. The point is that with purity of heart and with an understanding that there's a time for everything, we can be humble. We can be more forgiving of ourselves. We can be more accepting of reality and therefore more successful. We mentioned before that it seems that some people chase opportunity and it flees from them, while others have opportunities chase them. There's a beautiful passage in Erevin in the Talmud in 13b, where the sages say that anyone who pushes time, he forces time, time runs away from him. But he who yields before time, time yields for them. Time gives them back double reward. What does this mean? The person who forces time is a person who's focused on that which he doesn't yet have, that which he has not yet accomplished. And he wants to force that through, wants to push that through. Time will not yield. If it's not the right time for the particular success, it won't happen. And it will just flee the person. And he's always chasing something he doesn't have, and so opportunity just disappears and runs away. And that person's not in a state of mind, not in a frame of mind where they would even notice the true opportunities that present themselves. However, someone who yields before time, he understands there's a time for everything. It's not the time at the moment, maybe, for the incredible success that they yearn for. And they let it go. They're at peace. Their hearts are pure. They can notice, they will notice, the small opportunities that are really incredible opportunities. And one of those opportunities and several of those opportunities will lead them to incredible success. That's because they yield before time. They let go. They have purity of heart. They're simple in the great incredible sense of a pure heart. That is what the Talmudic sages are telling us. One who yields before time, time will yield before him. It's incredible. You go out there in the world. Some people are chasing opportunity and some people have opportunity chase them. The people who focus on what's in front of them with peace of mind, always looking out, having an open mind with wide open eyes to look for the opportunities that present themselves, not that they have to create out of thin air, but the opportunities that invariably present themselves to the people whose hearts are open to notice those opportunities. Let's go back and analyze verse 1 again. There's another layer of depth with a very powerful lesson behind it. If you look in in verse 1, I'll read the English and then we'll go to the Hebrew for a moment. Everything has its season and there's a time for everything under the heaven. Now in truth, that's the English translation, but it doesn't say everything twice in this verse. It first talks about for everything a time and for for every object a time. It first speaks about everything in an all-inclusive sense, then it talks about objects specifically. Now the Hebrew word for object is chefetz. Chefetz means, in its literal meaning, it means desire. And the reason why objects are called desire is because objects are the object of desire. If it wouldn't have some desire, you wouldn't have it, you wouldn't be relating to it, and so on and so forth. So the Hebrew word for object in this context is chefetz, desire. And the commentaries explain that even for a desire, there's a time. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time when desire naturally arises in you 
as a human being. Then that means that if we are pure-hearted, we can sense sometimes a desire, sometimes a movement towards a certain thing. And again, if we're not pure-hearted, then there can be base desires, there can be anger, jealousy, envy, just simple lust, etc. that's pulling at us. That's not what we're describing here. What we're describing is something more subtle, something more pure. There's a, there's a time for a desire. And we have to be sensitive to that. We have to feel and have the purity to feel when it is that we're interested, we're moved to one thing, and when it is that we're moved to another. Then we can truly find success when we're engaged with things that we're interested in. And also it's a, it's a little bit of a sign pulling us in a specific direction. But again, it's a subtlety and it takes purity of heart to appreciate it. There's another layer of depth in this whole subject of timing that we'll conclude with, and that is as follows. Solomon mentions 28 different times here in these verses. And the Hebrew word for the number 28, if we would take the, the letters with the numerical value of 28, we would come up with the, with the letters koach. Chaf is 20, ches is 8, it's 28. Koach means power, means strength. Fascinating thing is that the word hand, the Hebrew word for hand is yad. The numerical value of yad is 14, and there are 14 knuckles in each hand. Together, the two hands equal koach. The, together, the two hands, 14 plus 14, equal strength, equal power. When a person is able to bring together their right hand and their left hand, the right hand always represents love, connection. The left represents strength, withholding, structure. When a person is able to bring it all together, there are different times. There are times for giving and times for withholding, times for connection, times for pulling back. There are different times, but when a person is able to connect the different times, is able to connect the right and the left, is able to harmonize the right and the left, then they can truly succeed. They can flow along with time and have the knowledge, the wisdom, the purity, the sensibility to do the right thing at the right time. What allows us to do this? What allows us to flow along with time, to do the right thing at the right time, to properly align our right with our left, to align our love with our strength? How can we do that? Rab Isaac Haver, great 1800s Kabbalist, explains that there's a Lamid attached to all but two of these times that Solomon mentions. And the word Lamid, if you spell it out, means to teach, and it represents Torah, the godly teachings, the godly word that comes into our realm, that guides us. First of all, it tells us when to do what. It gives us structure. It tells us when and in what circumstance love is appropriate, when holding back is appropriate, when giving is appropriate, when withholding is appropriate. The Torah teaches us so many times, and it gives us the insight to understand when is the proper time for what. That is A. But B, the Torah connects us with a realm. The Torah connects us with a dimension that is above time. It connects us with God Himself. And when you're rooted in values that are timeless, then you're able to flow a long time and to see when is the appropriate time for what and make the appropriate choices. That's what happens when you're connected to timeless values. Ultimately, the Torah is the most timeless of all values. It's, it comes from beyond this world. It stems from beyond, transcends time. 
That's where we need to be rooted. We need to be rooted in the Lamed. Then we can flow through these 28 times and do the proper thing at the proper time. Thank you so much for listening and all the very best.